Coming up, the politics of staffing. We'll discuss Disney's new abortion travel credit, Shacktoberfest, and Volcano. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Hauntration Network podcast, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news on location coverage and interviews from experiences around the world. Outside of our podcast, we have education, videos, and even events. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news, and we discuss why it matters to you in our weekly segment called Green Tagged. If that's not your thing, check back tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup. Here's Green Tagged. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged at Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Great Development. Hello, Philip. Hey, everybody. Um, hey, another week. Another week's gone by and a whole bunch of new news. Yikes. There's a lot of new news. I, I think there's... <laughs> I was trying to be positive there, Philip. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, here I am with the negative. I always bring it down. But... <laughs> There's there was a lot of news this week. That's of course one big news item that has definitely overshadowed everything that happened. We don't I really don't want to talk too much about that going on with the Supreme Court, but we we do have one story that is related to our industry that came out of that, which mm-hmm. is that several companies, including Disney, which is why we're talking about it, have um, agreed to cover employee travel costs for abortions after the Roe versus Wade overturning this week i wasn't able to here's the key with this it's new there's not a lot of information obviously they haven't offered this to any employee yet so we don't really have how the mechanics of how this is going to work i was able to find one longer paragraph about about it um because there was a memo that was leaked over to the media and i'm going to read an excerpt from variety which describes it so In the wake of the ruling, Disney reached out to employees on Friday to stress that they recognize the impact of the Supreme Court's decision and remain committed to providing comprehensive access to quality and affordable care for all Disney cast and their families, which includes family planning and reproductive care, no matter where they live. That was the underlying piece. An internal source told Variety, for Disney employees enabled to access a medical service, including abortions, in one location, they have a travel benefit that allows for affordable coverage for receiving similar levels of care in another location. And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all we have so far, just from leaked correspondence. Uh, to me, this is a a staffing thing. Is I, you know, I I think there's there's already been a course as always. There's always been a lot of blowback already against Disney for putting this out so quickly. But when I read this, I was like, oh, this to me reads like a like a, a staffing, you're trying to preempt staffing issues, which I actually agree with. I do think this is going to become a staffing issue. What do you think, Scott? Well, I, I mean, obviously there are, there are two very strong sides to this issue and it's mm-hmm. not for us to debate um, those sides. That's that really, although it will impact the industry and we will see to what extent, um, that has not happened yet, so therefore it would be irresponsible for us to report upon it. This, however, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is uh, looking forward to what is to come. Um, if this if this situation continues for these uh, large uh, multi-state companies or international companies, uh, they are going to need to make certain that and it's clear that disney is doing this but i think it is in their best interest let me rephrase that i think it's in their best interest to make certain that they make sure that all of their employees no matter what state they happen to live in uh have the same access to um to health care and 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 family planning and uh and even you know abortions 
if that is the direction they wish to go. Um, this is a very touchy subject because everyone has a very personal view on it. And even those who fall within one camp or the other will have uh, those but what ifs um, that come up. So, like I said, this is this is something that whether you agree with this overturning or disagree with this overturning, um, I think as a business and as a as a an industry, it would be wise to not exacerbate an already challenging staffing situation with. Uh, I would love to come work for you, but I can't work in Florida. Or yeah. I would love to come work for you, but only in California. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is going to be a challenge. And I think this is a way for Disney to level the playing field so that they can um, keep people um, in, you know, no matter, again, no matter what their needs are, they can keep people on a level playing field throughout their companies. Um, I do see that this is going to, this could, potentially be financially challenging for uh, national companies um, because they are going to have uh, like issues with, you know, if, if someone does, if someone does have to travel in order to receive an abortion and they're going to pay for it, will they, how will the time off be hit? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuts and bolts that still need to be figured out, but I'm really glad that you, you brought this to the table here for this show, because again, it is the elephant in the room, so to speak, and it will impact the industry. And this is, I think just the first, the first step. Um, so if you are part of a larger company or even a smaller company, and you, you feel that this is something that you need to do to keep or keep the loyalty of your employees, you might want to consider it. I, I actually want to add to that. I actually think that this is a, this is one of those kind of like a, I don't, I think this is a brilliant move by Disney because I think it, it, it's another one of those barriers that sets up. It's, 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 it's just ultimately it's just a barrier between the large company and a small company, because to me, this is going to be a lot harder for the smaller independent companies right. to right. pull off than it is for larger companies. And this is just another one of those things like, oh, you work at Disney, oh, you can get education reimbursement and you can get paid travel and you can all these things. And what happens if you want to work at any of the companies we work with, the smaller companies, you know, that are they going to be able, I think that's, to me, as, as a smaller company, that this is exactly, I'm like, this is something we need to do. We need to be able to offer this because we need to, we're always trying to at least be on the level, at least close to to competitors, and this is another big piece of sure. Well, it's going to just make it harder to compete. I think exactly make it harder to compete. That's what I think is really the takeaway here, yes. and that is that it's it's this could conceivably, although I approve what Disney is doing. Um, this may be another nail in the coffin for staffing challenges for smaller companies. Yes, uh, yes this may yes. be another thing that Disney can offer that no one else can, or no one, not no one, but other companies can't afford to offer, or or don't feel comfortable offering, or whatever for whatever reason. Um, so I, I think I think we've only we've only just seen the first ring of ripples in the water from this boulder being dropped. Um, I, I think it. I think it is going to continue to affect not only this industry but other industries as well. And um, I, I am, I am curious to see how other companies are going to deal with it. I'm curious to see how uh, smaller companies that can't, you know, that don't say that don't operate in states that will continue to make abortions uh, safe 
and and available and legal. Um, I, I'm curious to see how companies that are only based, for example, here in Florida, are going to handle this situation uh, because it could conceivably drive some some pretty heavy hitters in their staff away from them to other states. So yeah. I, I, we'll we'll see what the ramifications are. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm playing Philip and being doom and gloom here, but I think it is I think it is completely possible. So we, we will see. But kudos to Disney for for getting out in front of this and and making that statement early and uh, and showing that there there are ways to do it. Apparently, <laughs> you know, obviously, as Philip said, there are no details yet, but mm-hmm. uh, it is it is something that I think will impact us. Uh, as an industry from a staffing or at least a retention standpoint. So, which is, is staffing as well. So we'll see where it goes. Keeping on the staffing theme here last week, Disney announced a a different item here that this, we didn't cover this last week, but I put it here because it's directly related, I think to, (laughs) to the staffing thing, which is that they delayed their corporate move to Lake Nona until 2026. A Disney spokeswoman Wednesday said the expected opening date for the Lake Nona campus was pushed to 2026 to give people more time and accommodate the construction timeline for the new offices. A Disney representative previously told the Orlando Sentinel that the offices were expected to be operating in Orlando by 2022, by this December 2022. So I I think this is another one that that's kind of clear Obviously, again, that's not like Disney can't do anything without like pros and cons. Like there are people that are already upset because they had already prepared to move and et cetera. And then of course, you know, they already lost some talent from this. But I think again, this is this is the same play. Is it's the same? They they're they can't afford right now to disrupt staffing because of the staffing issues that we're having. So they need to push us back because it does not take an extra four years to build a campus. That's just not that's not true. <laughs> Well, it, it it may not, but I, I think that the I don't have a single project that involves construction that is on its original timeline. Right, not four years off though. It, like not four year. years off. Agreed, yeah. agreed. But I do know. I mean, I do know. I have two different projects that have postponed for a year because of shipping timeline, because of you know the the arrival of goods. So. Um, yeah, I, I think staffing has something to do with it. I do think that that the the delivery delivery dates have something to do with it. I agree, it's not four years worth. But what you didn't read, Philip, is there's one other line here that says Waller said that the dispute with DeSantis had nothing to do with the delay. Mm. I'm curious as to whether that's true. Yeah, I'm curious as to whether that is true. Um, so for there's been there's been ongoing. Oh, what's the appropriate term? Uh, less than pleasant discussion going on between Disney and the governor of of Florida. Yep, that is true. And uh, I, I think, you know, four years. Interesting. Yeah. What, what happens? What in happens years? in four yeah. years? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it possible that, um, you know, I, I don't want to play conspiracy theorist here, but. Is it possible that Disney does not want to say we moved all of our corporate offices to the state of Florida during a governor's reign that they disagree with? Yeah. Is it is that possible? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I think they're probably telling the truth when they say it doesn't 
it's not directly involved or, or it doesn't have anything directly to do with the dispute with Governor DeSantis. But um, I think there's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't at least some factor or a happy accident result of, yeah. of not moving it because the four-year timeline just made, just raised eyebrows with me. Which, to go back to my original point, that also, right, could be staffing because essentially you're, you're telling all of your employees you got to move from California to Florida. There's big differences between, the, between those two locations. Point. Very <laughs> good point. Yes, yes. And it's interesting because although um, Orlando itself is not a huge yeah. difference, the state and the state laws and the state's um, understanding of those laws or interpretation, that's the word I'm looking for, interpretation of those laws is is very very different so yeah. yeah well yes to be continued as we look at towards fall and you know this is going to become uh, i think in my opinion i think this these stories are going to become larger and larger impact because you have to get your staffing under control for fall and christmas and while these all these event announcements are not going to be able to run without staff and and we're already not at full capacity for summer and i don't know how it works so Speaking of all that, there's a new event that's coming to Long Beach, and Scott has not heard about this event yet. Like, and and also he has not read. So I'm gonna re and we're gonna get Scott's like real time reaction to this. Um, okay, are you ready? I'm ready. The first ever Shacktoberfest Halloween event comes to the iconic Queen Mary in Long Beach this October. Fifteen time All Star and Basketball Hall of Fame fa farmer. Shaquille O'Neal and ABG Entertainment today announced a partnership with the 13th Floor Entertainment Group for the first ever Shacktoberfest Halloween event taking place at the historic Queen Mary in Long Beach, California this October. Officially open to the public beginning late September through Halloween, the interactive experience will be the ultimate Halloween destination for family-friendly trick-or-treating, ghoulish games, delicious treats, specialty libations, fun, etc., etc., etc. Located alongside, so noticing, notice, notice, located alongside the Queen Mary, but not on it specifically. There's mm -hmm. six thrilling Halloween-themed areas for guests to explore, each featuring Halloween trails, games, live entertainment, food and beverage vendors. The experience will be narrated by O'Neill's instantly recognizable voice. Here's the next detail portion here. Each afternoon will provide family-friendly trick-or-treat offerings and entertainment for children of all ages. Come nighttime, the energetic lights and music turn on as the witching hour begins, unleashing O'Neill's ghoulish minions into the haunted trails. And I'm sorry, minions as the spirits of Shacktoberfest are brought to life. Okay, sorry, I couldn't get through that without giggling. So that was read from the press release. Sorry, that's just all those things. Scott, it's it's Shacktoberfest. It's coming. I know you've always wanted it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so. So based on based on the description of the actual event itself, um, I have there's this is great. This is wonderful. It's a family friendly, which, by the way, uh, so many large um, large producers of Halloween events are recognizing that there is money to be made in family friendly again. The, yeah, the pendulum yeah. has swung back and forth. It, you know, I've been in this. I've been at this a long time, kids, and and I've seen it swing back and forth. And we are in the family friendly zone right now, um, and there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of the events that I do are family friendly as well, so I think that's great. I think it's exciting. I think it's fun that it's a party uh, as the lights go down and and Shaq's minions are released. <laughs> uh, I think that's 
Um, so I, my question, my question is, did Shaq just wake up one morning and say, you know, I want to do a Halloween event. I, where, where is it? Because, because again, having just from a personal experience, having just come off of a carnival cruise ship, uh, which was just recently, um, graced with the presence of a Shaq's big chicken, um, restaurant, <laughs> um, which has of course, uh, an imprint of Shaquille O'Neal's hand that you can put up and, and, and see how big your hand is. And it's, um, he seems to be branding himself on a lot of things that have absolutely nothing to do with his sports career. <laughs> I didn't know he had minions either. But I, I, are they yellow? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, are they big chickens? It, they, it could be a big chicken tie. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I will say that the, the Shaqtoberfest uh, and Shaq pinning his name to this, that's the part that I find most unusual. Um, yeah. It's a little quirky, but you know what? If he's a big Halloween fan and it helps the industry, great, run with it. Um, the the location alongside the Queen Mary, um, the location alongside the Queen Mary and in certain areas of the Queen Mary has long been a site for uh, different Halloween events. Um, not Most of them not particularly family friendly. Now, Philip, correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of them were much more um, haunt oriented. Yeah. So that's that's actually getting to some of the takeaways I had for it, which is first that um, I agree with you. Like it's so this made a lot of splashes right in the industry. And of course, it's 13th floor, which is doing this and 13th floor mm -hmm. op in, in California, they operate LA Haunted Hayride and Delusion. So this they they do. I think a lot of people don't realize this, but they do have non non scary. They do have non scary properties and tours they do some of the glow events they they, they run a few things that they're not mm -hmm. like purely um scary mm -hmm. and to scott's point i i do agree like it's it's a uh, family friendly halloween is definitely seeing a return and i think there is the tremendous market in that i think the challenge with this one is going to be that the Queen Mary Dark Harbor there was such a big event and it has a long history, but a long history of being an adult only scary event. And I think it's going to be the same problem that I think that our friends over at Eastern State Penitentiary also faced, which was they, you know, Halloween nights, they rebranded to Halloween nights last year. They tried to go scary. It didn't go too well because of the inertia that they were facing, you know, based on their history. What made it made it difficult for for them to switch over to a family friendly. I think that's going to be the problem here, and I also think it's going to be a problem to kind of split apart these brands where because they had because it was labeled previously as the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor, you know, like the Queen Mary's comma Dark, like her Dark Harbor, mm -hmm. right? I think this one, I think it is smart, well, smart and also logistically to have it not on the boat because. Logistically, that was a difficult challenge, as we all know. It was difficult. It was also in a, the Coast Guard zone, technically on the boat, because it's a fleet floating vessel. So there's different issues with it. So it's smart that it's that it's not on the boat. It's alongside it. But I do think there's going to be this brand confusion. And there's also going to be this confusion as to it was a scary event and now it's a family friendly event. And then you throw Shaq in, and I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, I do also. That's the other thing I think is challenging about this is like that it's it's almost like it's his event, and in the in the imagery that's been released, the logo is him. It's it's like Shaq with like skeleton hands, and he 
I guess summons minions with his skeleton hands and his magic robe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, like that's and but you know what? Like maybe that was the plan. Maybe it was like let's make this so quirky and get such a big name in it that we're gonna be com- able to come in and completely redo the this brand. Like there's no way you could confuse this with Dark Harbor. I was just gonna say I think that was I think that was the smart thing they did was to make it so kitsch, so. Yeah. completely whacked out so completely different um so the the queen mary has been replaced by shaquille o'neal it's yeah. not it's not queen mary's dark harbor it's now shaquille o'neal's yeah. shacktoberfest yeah. so it was uh, to your point um he's clearly marketable he's clearly a name he, i mean he's totally recognizable and i'm not saying it's even a bad thing I do think it's quirky that it's Halloween. I don't know whether he's a big Halloween fan or has been a big Halloween fan throughout his life. I don't know that. Maybe he has. Uh. But um, that's that's the part that I find a little a little odd. Um, and to your point, you know, I I think that uh, with Thirteenth Floor, you're right. They do operate things that are not scary, but where they've really made their their name known is in the scary brands. So. Um, I'm I'm curious I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I'm sure it'll be fine. They're a great company and they're super smart. Um, at the 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 thing I think they actually have a uh, better shot than um, you know you mentioned you mes- mentioned Eastern State Penitentiary and what happened with yeah. Eastern State is going to Halloween nights. They didn't want to shift their their audience. They wanted well they didn't want to change their audience. They wanted to expand their audience. They wanted to to kind of shift it and make it because they're still very scary. I was at Halloween nights uh last year and there are still some very scary elements that are part of it. But you aren't required to go through them if you're there with younger family members. So yeah. I think I think their job was a different job. I don't know whether it was easier or more difficult, but their job was to let people know yes now you can come as a family. This, I think, is just point blank. Don't come to be scared. Come to have fun. Yeah, I, I do. um, I agree with everything you just said. I just also, while you were talking, I was thinking the other problem I think is that that last line that we read about how, like, at night, Shaq's minions are going to come out and invade everything. But how scary are they going to be? I mean, I think that that's that's the piece for me where I'm like, well, if it's if they're really going hard into the family friendly, does that undermine it? Like, is that still family friendly? with minions or like how, how scary are the minions or the scare well, actors or like sliders? But, I don't know. But this is, but this is, I don't know either, but this is really no different than what some, uh, you know, some, actually some of my clients, some of the people that I've worked with before have done in the past. Um, the uh, hello scream at SeaWorld, um, at SeaWorld San Antonio, uh, they would do family friendly up until a certain point, And then they would change over and do scary at night. And it was a challenge. It was an ongoing challenge for them. They had to really, uh, communicate heavily. They finally got to the point at one time where they said it will stay family friendly, except in this one area where it gets really intense and and big signs that say, you know, if you're if you don't want to get scared, don't come in here and all that sort of thing. So um, they just have to make sure that they can communicate. But the truth of the matter is, the kids who are going to be trick or treating, um, based on what I've experienced in doing family friendly haunted attractions, um, the kids who go trick or treating. Once the sun goes down, they don't want to be there anyway. So, uh, yeah, because their their biggest fear is the dark, and um, so at that point, that's when you get the seven through twelve year olds who are who may be eye rolling at the at the trick or treating part, but are all about 
the the fun costumes, the cool lighting, the the jump, the, the phrase that we use at Zootampa is uh, startling the giggles out of you. So yeah. you know, the, the, instead of we don't want to we don't want to scare you till you cry, we want to startle the giggles out of you. And that's uh, if they're smart, that's the way they'll go, um, because they do. You know, even even ten year olds like to be scared. Yeah. Um, as as long as there's no blood, guts, and gore. I, I'm I'm. I am excited for this overall. I, I I do really want to see where it's going to go. I agree with all your points, Scott. I just I'm so curious because it's such a different model. You know the the Dark Harbor relied very heavily on alcohol sales and mm -hmm. on food sales mm -hmm. at night, especially in you know late into the night. And I, I'm not sure, you know, and and we'll just see. I'm we, we, actually there's not enough details out right now to right. know. Like there's no FAQ about like what age they recommend after what time or any of those things you mentioned. So we just have to watch. I just, I'm so excited that it, it's not very often. I think that you get a, an event like this, that from a well-known production house, multiple mm -hmm. well, like very well-known names in here, like yep. three huge firms are putting yep. together this. So it's going to be quality. We know that it's also at a venue that we know previously has worked very well for Halloween and clearly there's a market for it because literally that event, <laughs> I mean, was doing very well, you know, in that market. So it's just, but now they're taking a whole different approach with it. So well, I'm so and, curious. And, you know, we talked about the pendulum swinging back and forth. And since you did mention alcohol sales, that in my experience, that has always been, that has always been the thing that tips things either one way or the other. Yep. It finally gets to the point with a family friendly event where they realize how much money they're leaving on the table by not having bars. Yep. And then after having a family-friendly or alcohol-driven event, um, what finally tips it back to family-friendly is they're concerned about uh, how rowdy guests get, how drunk guests get, much how fun. much security they have to have, how much safety they safety training they have to have, and that's what tips it back to family-friendly. So that is the, in my experience, that is the one of the most important elements for tipping it back and forth and why it continues to go back and forth, whether you're looking for the high-profit event or the, uh, well, they're always high profit events, but whether you're, you're looking at how much money we make or how much money we spend on security. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's one more big opening that that came out this week that we want to touch on. It's a really big opening and, but it's just, we don't have too long to cover it, but it, I'm sure you've all heard about it, but the volcano quest for the golden idol is now open at lost Island theme park. And this, I'm going to read from the press release that was sent to us from Sally Dark Rides on this one. So Tota as a classic dark ride with modern technology, Volcano takes riders through a number of immersive themed environments, all while challenging them to participate in the story and save the island. Riders will experience over f a five minute showtime full of interactive 3D imagery, dynamic scenery, animatronic figures, and dazzling special effects. Uh, that's fine. So basically it, it's a it's a target dark ride, but there there are it's not all screens or our sets. There's a themed queue line. It actually looks phenomenal. It really does. It looks phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the other line that drew my attention was here about the family. For years, the Birch family has been developing expansion plans to transform their regional water park to a destination resort by transforming 90 acres of farmland into a brand new theme park. The master plan developed by BDR Design Group out of Cincinnati, Ohio, shows the park divided into five different realms that have backstories and elements that tie them all together. Each realm includes a variety of rides and attractions designed to immerse guests into the stories of those lands. I feel like this is going to be like the next Knott's Berry Farm kind of a thing. Like this is, I feel like every trend we've talked about in the past years and years and years about building story and having the themed lands and having like immersive experiences and having things the guests can say, blah, 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 blah. Like I feel like 
here's an example of, I think, a park that you were like, just comes out of like left field. You know, this has been in development for a long time, but I'm, mm -hmm. I was like, now seeing the right imagery and seeing the stuff come out, I was like, oh, they did what they said they were going to do. Yep. And, and what's interesting is I just recently discovered Lost Island and um, I've not been there, uh, but you didn't mention where it is. It's in the middle of Iowa. Yeah. So it's not, this is not, this is not able to pull from any major Disney property. It's not able to pull from yep. any major city. Um, sorry, people in Iowa, I was born there. So I, I, there, there are no real major, major cities. There's some bigger cities, but you know, no, um, no, Iowa. not major, uh, but, but it, so it's, it is, it truly has to become a destination location. I think the Birch family has, is going after, it looks like they're going after things in all the right ways. I'm curious to see if there is enough um, infrastructure to yep. support it. Yep. Um, now I have not been there, so I may be completely wrong. There may be plenty of hotels. There may be, uh, it may be super easy to get there. I don't know. Um, but I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited because it, it looks like one of the things that I read um, about the park in general and also about this particular dark ride is that uh, they uh, they they didn't want to create lands based on real places because they didn't mm -hmm. want to have any sort of appropriation of culture. So yeah. they created all of these lands out of fantasy and fiction. So they completely own them. So in essence, what they've done is what we've talked about for a very long time. They've created their own intellectual property, which I think is super smart. Um, they've created their own, their own realms, their own worlds. Um, there's also been in this process, as Philip said, it's been going on for a while. I also have discovered there's been some hiccups. There's been some challenges. There's mm -hmm. been some fires um, that have, have set them back, but they're, they continue to move forward. So this is clearly the little park that could and I, I would like to, um, if, if anybody from this park is listening, please reach out to us because I would love to know more. I, I champion yeah. you. I feel great. This is, this is one of those things, Philip, I don't know. We didn't even talk about this, but this is one of those things that I would love to do, um, an, uh, in real, an IRL, an in real life, um, in the middle of Iowa <laughs> at Lost Island, just because it's the kind of park, it's the kind of story that we don't get to report on very often. We get to report a lot on Disney and Universal and yeah. Knotts and yeah. uh, Six Flags and, and Cedar Fair and all the big all the big boys. But these independent parks that are are family owned, family driven, they're doing things the right way. This is a perfect opportunity for us to 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 really keep an eye on them. And and we wish you we wish you well, Birch family at Lost Island. And uh, you're clearly working with Sally Darkride. So you got the you got the right teams, you got the right teams on board and the right attitude. So, you know, let's uh, I, I want to see you build. I want to see you build this this mega park in the middle of Iowa. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got time to talk about this week. Um, hopefully you'll come back and uh, join us again next week. On behalf of Philip, this is Scott Swenson at Green Tag Theme Park in 30 saying we'll see you next week. Okay, that's it for today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow for our weekly roundup of news from around the haunt industry. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. 
Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.